Hey everybody, I hope your weekend is going great. Mine's off to a good start, especially after the news of George Kittle's contract this Thursday. Um, And while that's really big news, we're not really going to be getting into that too much in this episode today. Um, I'm here with my guest Christian, and we're going to be talking about the top five most important 49ers today. Um, Christian, do you want to introduce yourself really quick? Hey guys, well first of all, Matt, thanks for having me on the podcast. I've listened to some of your older work, and you know, I just... Like what you've been doing um yeah so my twitter is niner underscore notebook and on instagram you know i like to deep in, dive into you know the status of the franchise what's going on um on the field off the field and just like to have fun with them I'm a huge fan and excited to be part of this podcast yeah sweet really happy to have you on um for today's episode we're going to just go over the top five most important 49ers in our opinion and I did mine as going into the 2020 season. Um, Christian, not sure if you did the same thing, but that's where I kind of stand. And so to start right now, at number five, this one might be a little bit interesting for everyone, but at the number five most important 49er on the team going into 2020, I have D Ford. Um, and I think that might be a little bit of a surprise. Like there's, there's definitely some players that I don't have on my top five that are better, that I would say are better overall players than D Ford. Um, but I think he's very, very important because when he's on the field, it brings a whole new element to that pass rush. As we've seen, the Bosa numbers with and without him on the field are, are very different. I think he had like two sacks when D4 didn't play and like the rest of his sacks were when D4 was on the field. So D4 is just, he's I think he's probably the best pure, pure speed rusher in the game. Um, and the way that the way that I see it is he's kind of that guy that quote unquote opens the floodgates for that defensive line because when he's on the field their defensive line is so dominant and it, it's got to be it's got to be tough for other quarterbacks to play because he's so fast that that left tackle or that right tackle whoever is blocking him has to step so far back that it just kind of opens up that whole offensive line and it, it, get, it allows so much more pressure to come inside. So that's who I have at number five. Christian, who do you have at number five? Well, for me, well, first of all, going on your point on D Ford, um, I can see where you're coming from. That's just that I think at this point, I think he's more of a luxury rather than a necessity. Um, but he does elevate the whole pass rush, as you said. For me, I kind of went with Debo Samuel at number five. You might have had him high or not him, not him, have him on the list at all, but... I put Debo at five because I think clearly he's become wide receiver one for the team. Um, like while the Niners have a lot of potential as wide receivers, it's just that potential. And there's a lot of question marks with Ayuk being a rookie, her and Taylor having health injuries, um, Pettis having a lot of question marks around him. And so I think just having Debo on the field really obvious to the offense and takes a lot of pressure off of George Kittle. And so I think having him being on the field is really important for the Niners' success. Um, it's even more important because without a preseason and the shortened training camp, it's kind of hard to adjust to Shanahan's playbook. And, you know, while KB, KB has been there for a while and uh, you can probably learn it pretty fast, I think it's just important to have him on the field as soon as possible. Yeah, and you, and you brought up, like, that injury. Like, that's – I definitely agree with you. He's, he's super important because you brought up how there's a lot of question marks in the receiver room. Um, 
the way I see it, I, I don't know if it's just a little bit more optimistic or maybe I'm just kind of being naive, but I think that there's so much talent in that room, and that's why I just didn't have him in that top five, but I did have him as one of my honorable mention, and I also have him at, I also think he's a guy that's very underrated outside of San Francisco. I think most 49er fans understand that Debo is a fantastic player, and he's definitely one of the best uh, rookies from that class last year. Um, but he's he's just he's been great. I don't think that other fans, like a casual NFL fans and just fans of other teams that haven't watched him that much, I don't think they really understand the presence that he has on the field. But I, I love that that having him at number five, and I and I totally get where you're coming from. Definitely, and like it's like going to 2020 season. It's even kind of harder with COVID restrictions. You know, starting training camp, like I said, and having no preseason. So, if it wasn't for COVID, it might be different. But with it going on, I think I have to put him at number five. Yeah, yeah, and and especially with Ayuk being a rookie and her not really ha- having no regular season experience. Exactly. So, Basically, being a rookie again. Yeah, so. exactly. Um, moving on to number four, I have Richard Sherman, who. Yes, he's older. Yes, he didn't have the best Super Bowl. But last season, he was absolutely spectacular. Um, And then he missed the end of the Saints game. And I don't know if you recall, but at the end of the game, he gets hurt. And the Saints march down the field and just pick apart Emmanuel Mosley and Akella Witherspoon. And they score a touchdown. Um, And they would have lost that game if it wasn't for that amazing George Kittle play. Um so I think that Richard Sherman is going to be crucial. I think there's there's a few guys where if they get hurt, the season is it gets a little scary, and Sherman's definitely one of those guys. Where if he goes down, it's going to be like okay, now there's so much pressure on the pass rush because he's that guy that holds down that one side, and he might not be the most athletic or the fastest player, um, but he never really has been, and and that's the thing that's interesting to me is because yes he he might be like. A little bit slower than he than he was pre Achilles injury, but he was never that fast. He was ne- that's why he was a late round pick, a fifth rounder. But guess what? He's so smart and he's able to just understand the game around him that it hasn't really affected him in that much of a negative way. So I have exactly. him at number four. I think he is crucial. I think people are kind of acting like, oh, he didn't have that great of a Super Bowl, and he's not the guy he once was last season. PFF ranked him as the number one cornerback. And you can bring up, okay, maybe PFF isn't entirely accurate. He is was absolutely fantastic last year. He misses that Atlanta Falcons game. And Julio Jones had 13 catches for like 150 or like yep. 180 yards and had a game-winning touchdown. That would have been the guy that he would have probably been guarding most of the time or at least holding down one of the sides of the field. So Definitely. he's very important. I actually agree with you. I have Sherman at number four too. Yeah, I know. So, yeah. like you said, I mean, he's he like, like I was talking about. He's so important. So, what was your reasoning behind Sherman besides the stuff that I've kind of said already? Yeah. So on top of what you said, another factor is that I don't think the Niners can rely on just Mosley and just Witherspoon as of now. There's no clear uh, cornerback that can take his spot. No, so I, I don't trust the defense to have just Mosley and just Witherspoon. Um, and like you said, you know, while he's aging, maybe he lost his step, he makes up for it with his pure technique. Um, I saw PFF stats also. He only allowed 227 receiving yards throughout the whole season. And yes, he had a bad Super Bowl, but 
on top of that, he's pretty much still a lockdown, a lockdown cornerback. And honestly, like you said, he's one of those players where if he goes down, it's kind of troubling for the rest of the defense. And off the field, he's also acts like a mini coach. He just elevates the rest of the defensive backs in the secondary. And so, you know, while with a young team, he kind of has to bring that veteran presence. And that's why he's so important to the entire defense. Yeah, no, that's a good point. That that uh, presence is like oh, as like a mini coach because he he really acts like like the coach of the defense, which isn't which isn't typical from your cornerback. So I think that's very very important that he does that. Um, and then that that he I have him at four. Um, I, I think that one of the knocks with him is like oh, he's scheme specific or whatever. And whether you agree with that or not, I don't really. But He's in a cover three scheme, so it doesn't really matter as far as the 49ers are concerned. Like, hey, okay, if he's scheme specific, that's okay because he's playing the scheme that he's supposed to be quote unquote exactly. specific to. So I'm, I'm really happy. Sherman's obviously gonna he's gonna be a free agent after this season. I really hope that they're able to retain him. I think that it would be a Me massive too. loss if they're not. And it's interesting because maybe they don't because I I think he's what thirty two or thirty three right now so yeah thirty two I think yeah so he's he's getting on the the older age I guess for for a cornerback too yeah, especially. especially for corners so it'll be interesting how he's moving forward but as far as twenty twenty is concerned he is very important to that defense definitely he's very very important and like you said with the fans too I think a lot of them just see one or two highlights of Sherman getting deep or getting beat on a deep ball in the Super Bowl and against the Packers. But, you know, statistically, he's only allowed one completion over the throw of 20 yards out of 11 targets. So he still can protect the deep ball. He still has it in him. Yeah. Um, at number three, and this might be a little bit lower than most people would expect, I have Nick Bosa. Um, he's the reigning defensive rookie of the year. And this is not a, a knock on Nick Bosa being at number three. I think that on probably any single team in the league, he would be one of their top three most important players. He is absolutely fantastic. Everything you want out of a top draft pick, and more as a rookie. Um, I had Evan Sa Evan Swords on last week, and he brought up the question, like, what if Nick Bosa gets better? Because people are kind of like, oh, he's already like NFL ready when he came into the league, and act like he's not going to get better. There's a good chance that he comes back and he's better next season. And that has got to be terrifying for opponents. He has a high ceiling for sure. Yeah, and he was so good. He had nine sacks last year. And, okay, he doesn't have double-digit sacks. Eric Armstead led the team with ten sacks. But Nick Bosa had so many pressures, and you felt his presence just watching the game. You could tell that the quarterback felt his presence. Um, against the Saints, I don't even know if he recorded a sack, but that was one of the best games I've seen out of a defensive end. You know, he's reading screens, sniffing out, knocking them away, making tackles on Alvin Kamara out of the backfield. Just fantastic. And Taysom Hill, too, that one play, he was held the whole way. He still got him. He's so fast. Yeah. So no, I see where you're coming from. Yeah, so I, I have him at three, and and I think that if you, had him at, if you even had him at one, I don't have an issue with that. But Nick Bosa is... There's basically nothing more you could ask of him out of the rookie season. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, for me, for number three, I had Jimmy G, actually. He was definitely, in my opinion, the most underrated and underappreciated quarterback in the league. You know, he finally got some respect being at number 43 in the top 100, but he's definitely underrated by a lot of the media and a lot of the fans. Um, I think a lot underrated factor for him is just 
having the ability to grasp Shanahan's playbook, which is very, very more, very, very complex, more complex than a lot of people can even, you know, understand. And uh, on top of that, going back to the whole COVID nineteen restrictions and um, pandemic, pandemic continuity is important at the, at the QB position, especially in Shanahan's offense. So I think if he were to go down, I can't see Nick Mullins or CJ, you know, taking over the same way that he did. And um, while the offense is a run-heavy kind of offense, I think Jimmy's accuracy is just so under underappreciated. He can take it, take the ball and win ball games if he has to. Yeah, so I love that you bring up Jimmy G. I have him at number two. Um, he's I have him ahead of Nick Bosa. I think Nick Bosa is a better player than him. However, I think Jimmy G playing the quarterback position is just so important, and I have him at number two. Um, an interesting stat right here. In the Shannon Lynch era, when Jimmy G is on the field, this is regular season numbers. They are 19 and 5. When Jimmy G's not starting, they are 4 and 20. So you see yeah. it's basically flipped. Um, and you Definitely. don't see that where you're where it's about a 75 about almost a 75% win percentage and then about a 20 20 what is that? 25% win percentage, 20% win percentage. You don't typically see that with a quarterback being on and off the field like over a three-year span like that. But it's one of those things where, yes, Shanahan is, has such a great system, but Jimmy G ran that system really well last year, and I think that we did not see how good Jimmy Garoppolo is. I think that the knee injury really limited him in a sense because if you go back to his 2017 tape, He's making plays outside the pocket, and he's doing just spectacular things. Where, as last season in 2019, he didn't do that much of it. The The one play yeah, that yeah. you can kind of point back to in 2019 is against the Rams. I think it was the December 21st game, where he's rolling out of the pocket, and he hits George Kittle on that clutch touchdown. In 2017, he was making those plays all the time, and he was not playing with as good of receivers. Um, and then this year, he's still bouncing back, and that's his first year as a real starter. And, like, yes, he's, I think he's 28, but the problem is he doesn't have that much game experience. I believe he has the same amount of game experience as Sam Darnold. So that's something where it's just like, let's not forget that this dude is probably not even close to as good as he's going to be in his career. And, yes, he might be the, like, peak age for a quarterback, but he doesn't have that much game experience. And... Last season, my big knock on him was, I mean, and I think a lot of people like to go like really like heavily on like, oh, he can't throw the ball deep. He doesn't have a strong arm. He has a good arm. I don't think he has a great arm, but he has a good arm. And in the NFL, you can make do. You can be, you can be. A, I mean, Tom Brady has a good arm. He doesn't have a great arm, but he has a good exactly. arm. Exactly. So he makes can, the throws that he has to make. Yeah, basically. exactly. Um, so just moving forward, I think that really understanding that playbook and cutting down the picks, which is going to come with game experience, is something where. I think that Jimmy G is eventually going to be in the upper echelon of quarterbacks moving forward. Exactly. Especially now that he's practicing without a knee brace, you know, it makes me excited just to see how much his mobility will increase in this next season. Yeah, exactly. And and we bring up that, that knee injury. Like, I have never torn my ACL, so I don't exactly know. But you hear so much about, like, you have, like, that one year after. And especially for quarterbacks, too, like, you kind of, it, it's kind of like a weird year where well, you don't like exactly cut Jimmy like some slack really but you have to like realize like hey he's probably not fully there with with his mobility so 
if that improves, that is that's something that will be scary for the whole league. Definitely, it's a psychological thing too. Even if the knee feels fine, he still might not be comfortable with it. But now that he's a year removed from that injury, he definitely will be dangerous in the league. So Christian, who do you have at number two? Number two, I switched with you. I actually had Bosa at number two. Yeah, um, I can, I can like you said, see that. <laughs> yeah, one of the best defensive ends in the league. Um, rookie of the year, defensive player of the year. He went his one-on-one battles, the O-line. It just takes up so much attention. And he creates a huge domino effect on the defense. If he goes down, then the coverage, the secondary, has to cover even longer. So it's just, you know, it's a domino effect with him on the field. Yeah, no, he's, I mean, he won the defensive rookie, yeah, defensive rookie of the year last year. This year, I think he's top five in, like, like if you were to make a bet on defensive player of the year, I think he's top five in the odds moving forward. So, I mean, and I think he's going to be one of those guys that I, I think he'll eventually win it. You know, he's going to, he will probably have a defensive player of the year award in his future. I think it makes it harder for him to get that award just because their defensive line is so stacked. So the sacks kind of spread out, you know, where he'll have a pressure and then Eric Armstead will get a sack or he'll have a pressure. And this year, hopefully Javon Kinlaw makes a ton of sacks. But it's one of those things where his pressure rate is so good that he he's just eventually he's going to run into a defensive player of the year. Exactly. He just makes the whole defense better individually. Yeah, and uh, so number one, I'm assuming we both have the same guy at number I'm going to assume so, too. <laughs> <laughs> if, we don't, if we don't, I'm going to have a little bit of uh, some confusing thoughts here, just because <laughs> I think it's kind of obvious. Um, at number one, the people's tight end, and today, we are recording this on a Thursday. Didn't mention it before, I don't know how I didn't. George Kittle, five-year, $75 million extension, that's $15 million a year, with $40 million guaranteed. Um, I actually... Pro- Predicted that a few podcasts back. Um, you could check that out if you want to, or you could take my word for it. Um, but I said five years, $75 million, $40 million guaranteed. The reason I kind of came to that conclusion was, on one end, George Kill was going to demolish the tight end market, which he did. I believe Austin Hooper has like the biggest overall contract, and he makes like $10.5 million gar- uh, a year, and I think he makes like around $18 million guaranteed. Um, but George Kittle, 40 million guaranteed is a ton for that position and 15 a year is a ton. Obviously Travis Kelsey also signed today. I think he has right around 25 million guaranteed and 14 million a year. Um, he's a lot older in his career. I think George Kittle is a little bit better than him, mostly for the blocking element, but congratulations to George Kittle, um, on that deal. I think it's great for him and the 49ers. They get kind of a steal in value in the sense of, He's going to contribute so much more to a team than a wide receiver making $20 million like uh, an Amari Cooper. You know, so I, I, I love the deal. I, I'm super stoked. I mean, George Kittle, in my opinion, he's the face of the franchise. Uh, and, and he's the most important player, not only because of his play on the field, but just because he brings that team together. That's something that you can have star players, but they don't always do that. He He's the full package as far as players go. Fifth round blocking tight end turned to potential to NFL superstar and hopefully potential Hall of Famer. So I have him at number one. I don't have – there's not a lot to say except for that anyone would want George Kittle on their team. Exactly. He's worth every single penny. I know some fans were saying he's overpaid because he's a tight end, but he's more than just a tight end at this point. He can be an extra receiver, an extra lineman. It could be a fullback. 
He can even take some running snaps too. So he does everything for the offense. Yeah, you you brought up that. I remember last season when Joe Staley and Mike Mulgunshin went out. It was almost like, well, this backup tight end or this backup tackle that might come in. There's a good chance that George Kittle will, is probably a better actual blocker than him, which sounds kind of crazy. But just because of George Kittle's physical abilities, that's something that is kind of true. And and you see that they they keep him in as like the the sixth lineman a lot of times on pass plays, and that that frustrates people a lot. But he's a really really good blocker, and not to mention the impact that he has in the run game is crucial. Um, I saw a stat earlier that when he's on the field, the 49ers average five yards per carry. When he's not on the field, they average three point five yards per carry. So yeah, but the drop off is steep without him. No, another stat that was kind of eye-opening is that when he's on the field, 18% of rushes are above 10 yards. When he's off the field, it drops it down to 7%. And so a lot of big plays happen because of George Kittle, in my opinion. Yeah, no no doubt. Um, and you were, t- you were you brought up, a, when we were talking earlier, you brought up a, uh, a win rate that like, or like the, what was it, like explosive play rate? where it drops, like, significant. What was that stat again? Exactly. Yeah, the, what you said, the 18%. Okay, it was 18%. That's what it was. Okay. Yeah, 18 to 7 when he's not. Yeah, so you talk about just yeah. having big-time plays, and you talk about how that run game will just absolutely explode, exactly. where it's like, oh, there's a touchdown from Matt Breida where he doesn't get touched. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, you know, all this that we're talking about is just the run game, too. We didn't even touch on the pass game yet, either. You yeah. know, so it's just... There's so much to say about the passing game. Yeah, so so my big thing with George Kittle is that on third down, he is the man. I think it was the first Cardinals game last year when he banged up his ankle, and he actually broke like a bone off of his ankle, which yeah. he ended up playing through after a couple weeks. Um, he had converted every single third down that had been – every single conversion on third down when he had got the ball thrown to him. And, and many of those were before the sticks – just because Jimmy throws at him and he knows that he's going to pick it up. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I the Cardinals game, he um, had a broken ankle and he still got a 30-yard touchdown too after he stepped on Buda Baker. I was like, man, he's doing all this with the broken ankle. Like, that's just insane to me. Yeah, that was, that was a sweet game from him. Um, and then you also bring up like kind of like these clutch plays or these conversion plays. You can't forget the fourth and two against the Saints. One of the one of the coolest plays I've honestly ever seen, where it takes about half the Saints' defense to get him down. <laughs> yeah, those are the type of plays he he has. Um, and then he owns the tight end receiving yards record, which is something that is kind of crazy when you bring up a guy that's like known as being oh he can block and he can be a big receiving threat. He exactly. owns the record for receiving yards by a tight end. And he also leads the league in yards after the catch, too. He has 569 yards, and that's just insane because that's not just a tight end, but also re- leading all receivers, too. Yeah, so I think I think as far as how important these 49er players are, you got to have George Kill at one. I can see either having Nick Bosa or Jimmy at two and three. Um, and then four and five, obviously we both had Richard Sherman at four. Um, you had Debo Samuel at five. I had D Ford at five. So I could see I could see Debo Samuel being up there. I brought up that he was an honorable mention for me. Um, 
My other four guys that are in my honorable mention slash underrated category, Eric Armstead, he had 10 sacks last season, and truthfully, he played like an all-pro caliber season last year. If he's healthy, he is an absolute menace on that defensive line. Um, I also have Fred Warner, Jimmy Ward, and Kwaski Tart. Um, I can get him, get them in there, get into them in a second. But Christian, who do you have in your honorable mention category? Definitely, I had Fred Warner on there too. I had Kwan Williams, who's the most underrated uh, nickel cornerback in the league. Um, Ronald Blair will be up there as underrated. Um, and an interesting one actually would be Kyle Nelson, our long snapper. Um, without without Kyle Nelson, Gold missed seven kicks in his first six games. But when he was when he had Nelson as a long snapper, he only missed one. So I think just the fact that you know Gold dropped off tremendously without Kyle Nelson kind of really makes you have an appreciation for him for a long snapper that's often overlooked on special teams or just team in general. Yeah, that's a that's a very interesting stat. You brought up, <laughs> you brought up Quan Williams. I don't know how I did not have Quan Williams in there. <laughs> he forced, oh yeah. He forced five fumbles last year. Um, yeah. And he's had a couple nice interceptions throughout his time on the 49ers. Um, but you brought up he is definitely I would say he's definitely the most underrated nickel corner because he's one of the best and people don't even know who he is. So exactly. He didn't even get a Pro Bowl uh Pro Bowl vote for it either. Really. Yeah, he should have been in there, but I don't know why he wasn't. It's just not appreciated enough. Yeah, I think that he's one of those guys that I also am really hoping the 49ers are able to extend. And he's he probably will be pretty affordable, too, just because he's not a household name. Um, I believe he was a seventh-round pick. He might have went undrafted, but I'm pretty sure he's a seventh-round pick. Um, but he's a guy that the 49ers, that their front office has liked for a long time, that Robert Sala has been a huge fan of, so... He's super important. Um, Fred Warner, we talked about contracts. We talked about Kittle's contract earlier. Fred Warner's a guy who is, he's probably going to be the next guy paid on that team. Um, talk about just a, just stepping in his first career game as a, at, coming out of ooh, BYU. Yeah, BYU as a third round pick. He called defense his very first game in the NFL. And he has steadily improved throughout his whole time in the NFL. Um, and, and, and towards the end of last season, he looks like one of the best linebackers in the game. Um, I think I'm, I'm really excited for him. I think there's a couple guys in the defense where it's like these guys can get even better, um, and they're already great. And that would those the two guys that come to my mind are Fred Warner and Nick Bosa. But Fred Warner has just, just progressed so well throughout his career. Definitely. And his coverage skills are so underrated too. He's a great tackler, but people forget just how good he is at coverage. Yeah, no, and and you and like of course there's the pick six, six on that that Rams game, um, and, and but he also there's a play against where he's covering Hollywood Brown, who's one of the fastest guys in the league, and he catches up to him, and has a PBU. So he's a great pass defender or pass, yeah, pass defender as a linebacker. I, I definitely agree. Um, and then I also brought up Jimmy Ward and Kwaski Tart. That safety group is pretty underrated. I, I think yep. the only reason it's underrated is because the other elements of the defense are so good where it's like they're just they're not quite on the same level like the defensive line is. You know, Sherman's one of the cornerbacks and like the linebackers are, are just great. 
Um, so it's kind of like the safeties kind of get left out, but but they were a really good duo. And when Kwaski Tart got hurt last year, the defense really felt it. Um, he was one of those injuries where it's like, okay, Kwaski needs to get back for this playoff run, and he did. And I mean, he was great. He he's a very underrated cover coverage player as well. Yeah, definitely. I had him as an honorable mention too. I forgot to mention his name. But yeah, I think I saw a stat that when he was off the field, the the defense gave up another 137 yards passing when he was off, you know. And I think it just shows just how important he is in the coverage game and for communication among the rest of the secondary. Yeah. Um, beyond, yeah. And, oh, sorry. and beyond that, um, when he's not on the field, we have Marcel Harris in there. You know, Marcel Harris kind of is a liability in coverage and in missed tackles. So I think Tart on the field are just really obvious for the rest of the defense. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, I don't have too much more here today, um, but I want to say one more thing real quick. Ch- George Kittle, I am so happy that he resigned today. Um, he is the face of this team moving forward. He, it, It's so important that he got resigned. I, I think that a lot of, if this would have dragged into the season, it would have kind of become one of those things where it's like, Okay, like it's kind of like getting in the heads of everyone in the organization. Like, oh, is Kittle is Kittle like a guy that might leave? Um, he did not hold out. I'm very happy he didn't do that. I think a lot of guys that that hold out, it just gets kind of ugly. He didn't do that. Um, they got the deal done before the season, so I'm super stoked about that. So congratulations to George Kittle once again. Exactly. So happy for him. So happy for his family. He definitely deserves every single penny of that contract. Yeah, absolutely. And Christian, once again, thanks so so much for coming on the pod. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. And go 49ers.